Welcome to the Faith Christian Fellowship of Montego Bay's podcast. We are reaching for His glory through building and teaching. I hope you are encouraged and edified by this message. St. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We're going to continue on seeking the kingdom of God. So St. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. I want to read it again. It's a verse you should know very well by now. But I've learned over 35 years of serving the Lord and reading the scriptures and studying that you cannot reach a place of knowing everything about the word of God. Even when you think you know, God gives you just a bit more revelation than just shake up your theology. And so we want to explore for a few moments again Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. But seek First, the kingdom of God. Remember we said our word seek means to seek and keep on seeking and it says first, alright? So that first don't mean you seek the kingdom of God and then other kingdoms behind or other things. Just, it means above everything. Alright? It, it, there's no option in terms of any other. It's first here means only. Seek the kingdom of God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Last session I spoke to that part about his righteousness. We know that there are all different versions of righteousness that people put out. But we're not talking about the righteousness of men here. Because we know that our righteousness according to the Bible is as filthy rags. So we're talking about his righteousness. His righteousness is what makes you and I somebody. And that is what helped to give us identity. So you can say with confidence, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And his righteousness is what attracts his favor. Your righteousness don't attract his favor. Seek ye first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And here's the back end of that verse. And all these things shall be added to you. If you look at verse 25 coming down, about 25-27, it talks about some things uh, of life that you shouldn't seek because the Gentiles seek those. Not that you don't need them in your life, but he's saying, if you really want to have them, seek my kingdom first, and then they shall be added unto you. So these things that we're speaking about in Matthew 6, 33, all these things, these things are speaking to the things that pertain to life, to help you to live comfortably, successful, in some sense, in this life. So, he said, if you 
If you seek the kingdoms, all these things shall be added unto you. Now, I want to take a moment and just look at that word shall. It's a very interesting word. It never said in the verse that they might be added unto you or there's a good chance, high probability that you will get them. Clearly states they shall be added unto you. Now, the word shall is one of the strongest and surest word in the English language. It speaks of duty, obligation. It speaks of a degree of certainty. Whenever you see the word shall, and it is used in proper context, it is a case that it is going to happen. So, the Bible is saying here that if you get the mechanics of the kingdom, or if you get the kingdom cycle working properly in your life, it is not a case of these things might happen, they shall be added unto you. So, sometimes we give away shall for maybe. People do that all the time in life. But especially when shall comes from the Lord, you have no reason to trade shall for anything else. In fact, everything else in the world, everything else in life is maybe. The kingdom is shall. Shall is not a matter that it might happen or it is possible. It is not a matter of should have, could have, may have, might have. It is a case that is, it is going to happen. So the meteorological office that deals with the weather, they have a couple of terms that they use sometimes. Sometimes they explain that the country or sections of the country is on a flash flood watch. Other times they say other sections is on a flash flood warning. What is the difference between a flash flood watch and a flash flood warning? A flash flood watch means that flooding is possible based on the amount of rainfall that they project to happen over time and where the rivers are and all that kind of stuff, how the earth is saturated. It's possible. A flash flood warning means that flooding is occurring or will occur. A flash flood warning is sharp. If they say your area is on a flash flood warning, you better start making preparation. Because it is coming. It is sharp. That's what we're talking about with the kingdom. If you put the kingdom cycle to work in your life, it is not a matter that it might come, it is possible, it shall, it will happen, it is guaranteed. So, therefore, when we come into this kind of understanding, it is crucial for us to put the kingdom cycle to work in our life. 
make certain things happen in your life, you used to make certain things. Ish, it's possibility. You might have a good job right now, but I guarantee you that that is possibility. You can't be sure that you'll be in that job in January for many reasons. But we are sure that heaven and earth shall pass, but God said not one jot of my word shall pass. Shall pass. Not one jot shall pass. So I want you to pay attention to that word shall when you see it in the scriptures. Guarantee. Seek ye first kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall, shall be added unto you. See, the kingdom of God is about life. And the Bible declares that from beginning to end. If you go to Genesis, you'll find how the Bible says that man became a living soul when God engages God. Life. In other words, came to life. Because what, that's what the kingdom is about. In the gospel, Jesus declared, I am the resurrection and the life. If you go into Revelation, it is telling you about life everlasting. All across the scripture, the Bible explains to us that the kingdom of God is about life. And it is important that if we preach the kingdom and talk about the kingdom, that we get the life that the kingdom offers. Otherwise, we're going to be ordinary. We're going to be like anybody else in terms of those who don't know the Lord and really still walk in darkness. So it is important that if we serve the Lord, we might as well just serve him good. And some of you, when you were a sinner, you're a good sinner. There's such a thing. In other words, you really sin. Now that we walk in righteousness, now that we seek the kingdom of God, we should do it well. I want to read a scripture out of Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Another scripture here. So we talk about kingdom and life. We talk about seeking the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 8, verse number 2. It says, For the law of the spirit of life, the law of the spirit of life. So there is such a thing as the law of the spirit of life. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And that's interesting there because the only place that you can find the law of the spirit of life is in Christ Jesus. All the researchers, all of those who are coming up with vaccine and everything, thank God for the great scientists, those who continue to work hard in their field, we appreciate them. But there is only one place that you can find the law of the spirit of life, and that is in Christ Jesus. 
So it says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the other law, which is the law of sin and death. I want to break this down a, a little bit here this morning. First of all, I want to sh just share how laws are important. Sometimes we have a negative thinking to law. When we don't quite understand the importance of laws, we bypass important laws that can save our lives and really guide our destiny. So laws are important. They are central to order. And order is what the kingdom of God is about. The kingdom of God is about order. So laws are extremely important. You don't have order without laws. In fact, the period of the judges, when the judges ruled Israel, is a time that records the most failure in Israel's history. And if you study the book of Judges and study that time carefully, you see where the Bible says in Judges that there was no king in Israel in those days. And every man was right in his own sight. Let's, not, let's break that down a little bit. Remember that in the Old Testament, the anointing, the Spirit of God, was really only on three kinds of people. The prophet, that represented God to the people. The priest, that represented the people before God. And the king, that was responsible for maintaining the law, administration. He was supposed to keep the law. That's what the king do. The king represents the law. So, when there is no king that speaks to an absence of the law, that means there is no order. And it says every man did what was right in his own eyes because there was no order. So you see that the absence of law can cause chaos. It can undermine success. So when God gives us a law, it is important to study, to practice it, to follow it with everything that is in us. And we want to take time out to look carefully at the law of the spirit of life, what it is about, as we seek the kingdom. The law of the spirit of life is a major law in the kingdom. Sometimes you have what you call minor laws, or they're offshoot of a major law. The, the law of the spirit of life is a major law in the kingdom, kingdom of God. This is the law that the kingdom of God revolves around. Very important law. And the, the kingdom operation is hinged on this law, the law of the spirit of life. One of the keys to success in life 
is laws. Our responsibility as kingdom citizens is to know the law and follow. And by follow, I mean practice the law. So there is a fine line between applying a law and practicing. Sometimes when you apply a law, you, 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 you apply it and, and stop. Practice means that you have to keep on doing it over and over and over. So for example, you might come this week and apply the law of time and offering. So you bring your sure wanted of yourself and all of that this week, but you don't do it again. So you did apply it this week, but you didn't practice it. And that does not guarantee you the results that tithe and offering bring. You have to practice it. Laws, for you to get the results, the proper results from a law, you need to practice it. Not just to apply it on one occasion. Or when you're in the mood, or when the conditions are right. So, when God told Joshua that Moses, my servant, is dead, and now Joshua is going to take on that monumental task of leading Israel, not just leading them, but leading them across Jordan and to possess Canaan, hear what God told him. He said, this book of the law, you see the context now? This book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night. And it goes on to say, observe that you do all. That is it. And that is how you're going to make your way for us. By following, practicing the law. So when we talk about the law of the spirit of life, it's not just something that hangs in the word of God and it's a great idea. Well, when you read it, it looks good and uh, you quote it even when you're preaching or teaching or, 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 or praying or anything like that. It is something for us to understand and practice. Laws are important. Now, I heard Dr. Miles Monroe explaining the difference between laws and principles, commandments, and tradition. And I want to borrow Dr. Monroe's explanation for a moment here. On He was explaining principles first, difference between principle and law. And he explained that the word principle means first law. And th that word principle comes from the word prince. The root word is prince. Prince is the first son of a king. And he is first in line for the, the throne. All right? A prince is first in line for the throne. So it means First law in every way. First son, first in line for the throne. Also, princess is from the same vine. The, the princess is the first daughter, first in line for the throne. Also. All right? So the word principle 
is speaking to first law. Now, precept comes before principle. Precept is the thought, principle is the function. Right? So precept is in the thought when is, is the thought when it's in your head. Act on it. Principle is the function. So first law is the law that is inherent to the product or the law that uh, the manufacturer put in the product when he designed it as far as its function is concerned. And principles are sometimes sometimes invisible. So it is important to study a product and understand what the functions of that product is so that you can understand the principle of the product. So for example, let's think about brakes, something like brakes. When I use the word, when I use the word brakes, what comes to your mind? Stop. Hold. So, the idea of brakes or braking system is to reduce the speed of the car or bring it to a halt. Right? No. They don't write up all of that on a, 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 a brake, any braking system that they make, you know. But the principle, the first law that is inherent to break is that the idea of it is to bring that unit to a halt or to reduce the speed. So the law behind that now is that if you are driving your motor car and you want to bring it to a halt, you engage the brakes. But that law is hinged to the principle. You get what I'm saying? So let's say you drive home. You're going home in the evening and you get to your house where you live. You don't just open the door of the car and step out. You know that's made your problem. You engage the brakes. Bring the thing to a hall, a hall and then when it is properly stationed, you can exit the vehicle. Now, if you deliberately drive your vehicle without brakes, and the police stops you and find that your vehicle don't have any brake, that means they will give you a ticket. Why? Because you're breaking the law. The law is that your vehicle is supposed to have Working brakes, so proper brakes, so that you can bring it to a halt. Huh. Or reduce the speed when necessary. So the law is that if you cannot bring that vehicle to a halt, reduce the speed when necessary, you're breaking the law. But that law is hinged to the principle that the manufacturer had of that braking system. So the point in all of that is that the principle is the first law, 
and the law now is hinged to the principle. And for you to properly understand any law, you have to find the principle behind that law. Otherwise, you won't really realize what is happening. So law is established principle. The principle is unspoken. It is inherent in the product. But the law now is the established principle or uh, what is declared. It is not a case that everyone should know that that is how the product functions as a principle. For you to know, they put the law in place so you can be conscious of how the thing works. So the law is the voice of the principle. Maybe that's as simple as we can put it. The law is the voice of the principle. And so law is when the instruction is spoken. And then, you know, it is important that we don't just go off and create our own laws without basis. Now, this is why Jesus was very careful about laws when he came. Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law or the prophets because he knew that any law that Moses gave was hinged on some principle that God spoke to Moses. It probably never came across and was explained the best, but he knew the importance of law. And that is why in St. John chapter 8, when they caught the woman in the act of adultery, they brought her to Jesus and they said to him, according to the law, we should stone her to death. I want you to notice that passage again when you read. Jesus never argued with them about the law when they brought the woman. He never argued with them that they were, they were breaking the law in, in, in terms of what they said. But he broadened the perspective and used the law to really confront them. So paraphrasing what he said, and I believe what registered to them was that, listen, there's not only one law. So any one of you that is keeping all the other laws, you cast the first stone. Wow. They examined themselves in a moment and realized that this thing is not going to work at all. And the Bible said they left because the law is important. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Let's read that again from Romans chapter 8. We're going to read verse 1 and 2 this time. Let's go to verse 2 first. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. It's a powerful verse, but I believe one of the mistakes that we make sometimes is just to read it alone. It is not isolated. So if we're going to get the proper understanding, we have to read um, the whole text. It says here, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. But let's read verse 1 now and see what it says before that so we can get a better understanding of it. It says, 
There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, who do not walk according to the flesh. Now, this is interesting because there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, which means you're engaging the law of the spirit of life, but it says, when you don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, they put that explanation on there. In other words, if you walk according to the spirit, the spirit of God, you are engaging the law of life. So there is no condemnation at all. If you walk according to the flesh, you're engaging the law of sin and death. So when it says walk in the spirit and all that kind of stuff, it's a very powerful thought. It's a very powerful position that is being put out because walking in the spirit means engaging the law of the spirit of life. So it says there is no condemnation to those who are uh, engaging the law of the spirit of life. And we could read only to those who are engaging the law of the spirit of death. And then going to verse 2 now, it says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So in other words, if I'm walking in the spirit, if I'm doing the things of the spirit, if I'm seeking the law of the spirit of life and engaging that all the time, it gives me victory over the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death cannot arrest me, cannot detain me, cannot dictate my life because the higher law, the more superior law, which is the law of the spirit of life, is guiding my life. So if you practice the law of the spirit, of life, which is the kingdom of God, the law of sin and death cannot dominate your space. And that is very important because I believe that many believers have some things in their lives that they need to get going, that are sleeping, that are dead. And you've tried everything, but they cannot come alive except you engage the law of the spirit and I find that so interesting. It's You can be working on something, something that you have going in your life for, for 10 years. And you pass it off to somebody, and in six months they're wrecking a business or even different product. And it's six, and you wonder, what? that's 10 years I have that. I've never had any problem with it. It keeps growing and growing and growing. The difference is the law of the spirit of life and the law of the spirit of death. There are some people that engage the law of the spirit of death and it brings death to everything in your life. So we're not talking about just your spirit being alive, being born again, and you go to heaven. But we're talking about life in your finances. We're talking about life in your relationship. We're talking about life in your job. We're talking about life in your potential, your gifts and anointings. We talk about how creation grown and travail, waiting for the manifestations of the Son of God. Those manifestations are going to come when you engage the law of the spirit of life. 
I don't care how many times you come forward or go forward in any meeting and they lay hands on you and you, you fall down and you feel the spirit and all of that. Ain't nothing coming alive until you engage the law of the spirit of life. It's a decision that you have to make. Let me tell you something. There are some things that are in your life and you don't even realize that they're there. There are some giftings that are in there. There are some dimensions that are in your life, but they are waiting to be activated. And no motivational speech can activate them. And I'm not saying anything is wrong with motivational speech. I'm just saying that no change of location is going to activate Money is not going to activate it is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that is going to activate those areas of your life. Yeah, joy, peace. Oh, some of you are longing for that. And I can tell you right now that you can break that 21-day fast and start engaging the law of the spirit of life. Because even if you fast for 100 days and don't engage the spirit of life, they're not going to come alive. We believe in trust. A certain thing are only going to take on that's come alive with the law of the spirit of life. That is why when the, the spirit of life, the spirit of God, because God is life, engaged Ezekiel and said, Son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel, Ezekiel looked at them carefully and in his natural mind, he assessed the situation. Now remember that when God asks a question, he's not looking for information. Whenever God asks you a question, he's trying to put you in touch with something. He's not trying to find out anything. And that is why when God asked Adam, where are you? He's trying to find out where Adam was. He's trying to put Adam in touch with where he was. So he asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? He's not trying to find out from Ezekiel. He's trying to put Ezekiel in touch with that reality. So he was saying to Ezekiel, listen, the law of the spirit of life is about to engage these bones. They should live whenever the law of the spirit of life engages them. Let's establish the principle behind the law of the spirit of life, or the principle in which the law of the spirit of life is rooted. Because we want to leave here today fully understanding the law of the spirit of life. So let's see what principle that law is hinged in. The spirit of life is about life. Might sound funny, but that's exactly what it is. The spirit of life the principle of the spirit of life is life. The concept, the precept of the spirit of life is life. God is about life. So anything that he engages, his idea is to bring life to it. So the principle is about life. And I want to read a scripture in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 and just reinforce that point. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Talking about man's body. 
Look at this. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Or you could say the spirit of life. That's the actual word in the Hebrew. Name. So he breathed into the nostrils of man the spirit of life or the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So watch it. He did not even say to the body of man, come alive. Because the spirit of life is about life. Once he breathed that spirit of life or the law of the spirit of life in Adam, it knew what it was supposed to do. And Adam became a living soul. In other words, he came alive when he came in contact with the spirit of life. Because the spirit of life is about life. That's all it does. It's, it's about life. And the principle is that it is about life. The law is that it transmits life. So anytime you engage the kingdom from any aspect, from any angle, if you engage a spirit of life, all that it is about is life. In fact, that is why God told Adam, he said, please, don't go and eat of that tree of the knowledge of good, of good and evil. Because if you eat of it, he, what he said, he said, you will die. So don't eat because I want you to live. I'm about life. And God says that to many of us sometimes. Please, don't, don't, don't marry him. Don't go there. Don't do this because I want you to live. But sometimes, because people are so riddled with the law of the spirit of death, all they can see is what is possible and not what is imminent. If you seek the law of the spirit of life, it's going to make a difference in your life. So the law of the spirit of life is about giving us life. He said to Adam, as I said before, he said, do eat of the truth. Because if you eat of it, it will take away what I want you to have. It will take away life. When I practice the law of the spirit of life in my life, life comes alive. Your job, situations of your life will come alive when you engage the law of the spirit of life. I was reading the story with Lazarus in St. John chapter 11. And I saw some things I never saw before because I don't understand the law of the spirit of life. So Jesus was told that, that Lazarus is dead. He went down to Bethany. And Martha came crying and said, Lord, if you were here, my brother would not have died. She's bringing the argument of death to Jesus. If you were here, my brother would not have died. And immediately, Jesus repelled that argument with life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, whenever death shows up, the only way to deal with it effectively is with life. Jesus said, don't worry, I am 
the resurrection. Martha said, well, you know, I know that you will rise again on the last day. I said, no, 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 no. You didn't get it. I didn't say I will be. I am. Today, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, this law of the spirit of life is present. And life always triumphs over death. You know the story went to the grave. And the law of the spirit of life went into action. Life was transmitted. Lazarus came back to life. I don't care how dead certain situations seem in your life right now. Lazarus was dead for four days. Stinking. It doesn't matter how dead some situations seem in your life, your career, your future, your hope, whatever it is. If you dare to engage the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, certain things, things are going to start coming back to life in your life. The reason why some people live in depression and discouragement is because you've been engaging the law of the spirit of death. And all that is being transmitted is that even things that were alive die today. We bring good news. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. It's something that we should rejoice about and give God thanks that he's good. It doesn't matter how you got the thing working. If you subject that thing to the law of spirit, of the spirit of death, it will die. If you submit it to the law of the spirit of life, it will live. But let me make that point again. It doesn't matter how well you have something working. If you submit it to the law of the spirit of death, it will die. Adam had life. I mean God-given life. He subjected it to the spirit of death. And that lost this. God wants us to be alive in him so that we can utilize our gifts, our potential, our anointing. At the best of you can come forth. But it cannot happen under the law of sin and death. It can only happen under account of the law of the Spirit. We thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you and have a great day. You may contact us by email at fcfmontegobay at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at FCF Mobay and on Facebook at FCF Montego Bay.